Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Tony's in a rush. Russian have come on board and uh, we've entered into a new multi-year contract with them. Todd defends the V8 showdown. Back into the field at Bathurst. It's, it's a little bit average, to say the least. And Barbagello starts its rebuild. That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Chairman of V8 Supercars, Tony Cochran, has announced Rush Sports Marketing and Investments have been brought in by the championship to help promote the series. TC talked about their background and experience in motorsport. Uh, Rush uh, group are uh, very well known in Formula One sponsorship circles and uh, we're delighted. We um, started out late last year on a bit of an international search to see who uh, could be our partner because our demands on us now to um, satisfy and to uh, grow with new international sponsors is getting bigger all the time. Jack Daniels Racing has secured GT Aces, British driver Richard Westbrook who will partner Todd whilst Germany's Jörg Burgermeister will be alongside Rick. They talked about getting such well-credentialed pair for the Gold Coast. There's some massive names there, and we we did a fair bit of homework on who would probably be best suited to our team and our cars and our drivers, and and chose those guys. And we made a, a phone call or an email to each, and straight away, yes, I want to be down there 100%. What do I need to do to get in your car? I'm in. Um, it was unbelievable. So the recognition that one our category has uh, globally and the Gold Coast event really blew me away. Gary Rogers Fujitsu Racing has also announced their Gold Coast pairings with Brazilian Augusto Farfus from the BMW's International Continental Le Mans Cup and Frenchman Simon Pagnu, runner-up at this year's Le Mans 24-hour event. Rogers talked about bringing the pair in for the Gold Coast. They've been around a long time, but certainly they've proven that they can drive cars, and certainly cars with plenty of horsepower, and, you know, I reckon they'll be fine. Lee Holsworth gave his perspective on the internationals being paired up with main game drivers for championship points. Those guys will be coming over to have a bit of fun, but also they're true racers too, so they'll want to win, which is great for us, but, um, you know, we need to make sure that uh, we get, you know, everything laid out straight to them, that they're there to... uh, you know, bring the car home for us and we can finish the job. And if they can do that, then they've done a, a sensational job. Because um, it all goes to our championship and, um, and they don't have a championship of their own to contend for. So um, they're there just to do the best job they can and bring it home for us. Barbagello has seen the start of its renovations as the iconic control tower was knocked down this week. 
Stage one of the government supported multi-million dollar redevelopment commencing which will secure the V8 series for the next four years in the West. Finally, Mick Doohan had his first drive of a HRT V8 supercars at Queensland last week. He spoke about his laps. James, you know, I see what he was doing. At least that gave me a bit of an idea. I've never actually been around here before, so it was, gave me a bit of an idea where to brake, what gear I'm meant to be in, blah, blah, blah. But is the motorcycle ace looking for a new career? It was a lot of fun, but, uh, you know, I think I'm, I'm a fair way away from going, yeah, let's go racing, you know, like the competitive uh, juices coming out, that's for sure. What were the thoughts of the reigning V8 supercar champion, James Courtney? Fantastic, you know, you get the amount of grip he gets out of two wheels. I, th- I thought he could give us a hand, we've got four. We'll get double that, but uh, but no, it's cool. It's, it's uh, you know, it's an honour for me to be able to take him around and, and show him what we can do. And and uh, you know, he went out there and so I think he surprised everyone. He, he was straight onto it, into the first corner, straight onto the the braking marks and and pushing it. it was uh, you could see that he definitely knows what he's doing. Doesn't matter if it's two or four wheels. It uh, you know, it's impressive. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lap, we look at the V8 Supercar Showdown. But before that. Chris Jewell and Jacob Black will join me for a very spirited and interesting round table. But next, David Russell joins us as we look at the Fujitsu series. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Well, joining us once again for wrestling in the Fujitsu series is David Russell and uh, third place in the championship after Townsville, David. That's uh, within striking distance, I guess. Yeah, it is, Craig. Look, it's um, it's good to bounce back after you know I'm I'm uh, now looking back at Adelaide and and still <laughs> the the wound is still open. Um, you know what could have been if we had the points, championship points from Adelaide. But hey, it's all about fighting back. And uh, at the moment, yeah, we're full back back well, and we're in the top three in the championship. So look, it all seems to be going in the right direction um, so far after round three. So we saw at Townsville a lot more ring-ins, enduro ring-ins. How does that change your focus on a race weekend? Oh, look, it doesn't really. I think what most people need to understand is those ring-ins, when um, when they come into the series, they actually bring with them uh, new tyres as well because they haven't raced on on uh, they haven't raced at previous rounds. They get to to come and practice on green tyres and all that sort of stuff. So sometimes they look like heroes in the practice sessions and everyone goes, oh, geez, they got the pace. And then all of a sudden in the races, they seem to go back a little bit. But look, um, you know, both Andy and, and um, Andy Jones and Kevin McConville on the weekend both had had tough runs. So I, I didn't, I must say, I didn't really come across them too much. Um, but uh, look, you know, it seemed to be that they fought back well and had, had you know, quite reasonable pace. But... Um, 
yeah, for us, you know, the focus is still on, on the championship rather than getting into a dice with someone that's, you know, having a couple of cameo appearances. Mm. Of course, uh, the one man you always have to beat is your teammate. And at the moment, you've got, what, a hundred, uh, about 55 points on him. Yeah, look, um, Tim had a, a little bit of a tough round at Townsville. So, um, you know, had a, had a couple of little dramas and it doesn't help when, you know, when you might get caught up in some um, some biff and barge here and there. So, um, yeah, so it was a little bit tough, bit of a tough round for him. But, yeah, he showed he had good pace in the reverse grid race. And, uh, yeah, it was good for, for Team Jayco to get a, get a win for the weekend and then a round podium. All right. What can you do about the Triple Eight monster that is uh, Andrew Thompson? I guess uh, get Paul Morris closer to him. Oh, no, that was Nick Perkett. <laughs> yeah, look, um, it's, it's not about... You know, it's not about getting in and, and biffing people around. You know, um, I think that um, most guys in the category, if you ask them about you know, racing in the category, the good thing, if you're a good, smart driver, will, you know, even in the reverse grid races, I don't, you know, I, I left Townsville and didn't have a mark on my car. Well, I did from Nick Perkout hitting me from behind in one of the races, but um, I must say I didn't touch anyone all weekend. So um, the, the thing is to, to take it up to Triple Eight, look, um, I think you'd ask a lot of the teams in the main series how they're trying to take it up to Triple Eight because they're struggling with that in the main. Well, not struggling, but a lot of teams are finding it difficult to beat them in the main series. And as um, as MW Motorsport are trying to um, our, our hardest to try and take it to them in the Fujitsu series, I, I think um, you know I've spotted there's there's a few little weaknesses here and there, and it's not about the car. I think there's a few weaknesses in the driver, and um, it's all about putting pressure on that driver to um, you know see. If, uh, if he makes a couple of mistakes under that pressure. Um, the big thing then the pressure is on our team to make sure that we roll the car out and it's in, in uh, the best state possible, but it's rolling out um, onto the track with the best setup possible. And I think um, we need to work on that a little bit. And it's not hard when, um, when you've got limited resources and no full-time engineers and all that sort of stuff. So I'm sure everyone's heard that spiel long enough, so I don't want to go on about the uh, the differences in our teams and, and our vehicles, but um, that's where the main thing sits, I, I see it anyway. Mm. Now, of course, uh, you've got the endurance drive, but before you go to Bathurst to do some double duties, you've got to get through Ipswich and, of course, the Queensland Raceway. How do you like the paperclip? Oh, look... Um QR wasn't kind to me last year. We actually had um, quite bad braking issues, so we're um, pretty confident we've got all those sorted out now. So I'm, I'm looking forward to going there. It's obviously um, a, a home track for for Triple Eight and, and for Thompson. But um, look, I, I think uh, I think it's going to be around that. That uh, again, it's got a reverse grid race, so it's important to make sure you keep scoring those points. And when you get to those places like Bathurst, where it can be quite daunting and and things can go wrong, and there's concrete walls, you never know what can happen. And if you uh, start collecting points on some of these rounds, and uh, when it gets to some of the the important ones, like the double uh, double race and uh, double points races, or the 150 point races, it's um, at Bathurst, um, that's when you can really start um, stacking in those points for the championship. Mm. Well, we're looking forward to seeing how you progress, and uh, certainly up there at the paperclip, it's going to be an interesting round. It normally always is, and I know a lot of drivers don't like it, but the racing normally seems to be pretty good. Yeah, the racing's quite good. Um, I think I think the main thing uh, it, that you'll find this year is because it's because it's so tough up, you know, with the top, you know, uh, you know, between. 
uh, six to eight cars, I think you'll find that in qualifying it's going to be very, very close, as it was quite close last year. And um, I'm, yeah, I'm sure you'll see some of the some of the guys um, that are again making cameo appearances. They might do quite well in practice with their with their fresh rubber. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if uh, guys like Andy Jones and Cam McConville will be back to to do that and just to see how they shake it up at the at the front of the field. Mm. Well, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you, David, and we look forward to speaking to you after Townsville uh, after Ipswich. No worries, thanks, Craig. Look forward to chatting to you then. After the break, we'll be back with Chris Jewell and Jacob Black. I hope you'll stay with us. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week, the voice of V8 Supercars in Chris Jewell, and from speedtv.com, Jacob Black. Chris, good evening. How you going, Craig? Very well, thanks. And uh, whilst you enjoyed the tropics of the north up there in Darwin, then Townsville... Jacob, how's Sydney treating you? It's cold and it's wet and it's uh, it's Sydney, but it's good. It's it's kicking along. I'm well, surviving. Well, we are in that uh, well, love it or loathe it mid-season break, Chris. It's good that we're going to have a, a change next year, but we still have to suffer five weeks of no racing this year. Gee, wish it was a break. <laughs> well, certainly a break from the racetrack. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Um, you know, I think that um, it's something that's vital that we have, to be quite honest. I'm a bit nervous about some of the predictions of the future with 20 races in 40 weeks. I don't know where we're going to be able to fit a break into uh, the equation in that regard. And um, while I enjoy having a little bit of time away from the racetrack, I do agree that the continuity of having a calendar that people know is you know, somewhat in sequence with expectation is, uh, is probably a good thing. But whether or not I'm going to be that enthusiastic about doing... Uh, 20 events in 40 weeks is another thing altogether. Mm. But Chris, it's not a problem. I know a bloke that will help take some of that work off your hands where... Oh, good. It is an interesting one, though, because uh, really what we need is a 20-race series in about 25 weeks. That would, I think, would be the ideal, Jacob. Uh, No, I'm a big fan. I'm really very, very much pro the once every two weeks... uh, once every two weeks is, is good for me. I think that's exactly what the calendar needs: is continuity. Um, it's, it needs, you know, a five-week gap. The only people that benefit from a five-week gap are, yeah, are Coles and Bunnings, because everyone's out shopping instead of out home watching their supercars. It's just, I'm, I'm a big fan of once a fortnight. I think 18 races over, uh, what is it, 36 weeks? That's going to be a, that's going to be a good one. I'm, I think that'll be better for the sport. It'll help grow the sport. It'll help retain fans and will help retain uh, TV ratings as well. Well, I think the other thing too is, um, you know, last year from the close of the ride days, which took place after the Sydney Olympic Park finale on the streets of Homebush to the time that the air freight left for Abu Dhabi, it was a seven-week break. 
and a lot of teams had to do a lot in those seven weeks. I think that's been vindicated by how far behind HRT have been in a lot of ways this year. They ended the year with a perilous set of circumstances and lots of damage and they only had seven weeks to get everything ready and if you're giving people three weeks annual leave that leaves just four weeks to do anything and there's an inherent cost in losing staff paying out time in lieu and all the other things that are accrued over the course of the year so if we could condense it into 40 weeks and leave a a 12-week window between the end of one season and the start of another, at least it would be less taxing on finances and and human beings. And that is a critical one because the human toll for engineers is quite remarkable and when you speak to the teams and uh, the number of people that they churn through, not only in a season but over the course of five seasons, the IP they're losing every time they do lose a staff member, it is a huge cost to the business. Yeah, when the top teams are um, not retaining all of the staff that they previously had and they're doing the most winning and it's probably the most fun to be part of that. Imagine what the guys in the middle of the order and further down the ranks are going through when they're striving to enjoy some of the fruits of their labour. It's very easy to go and get equivalent money and be home at 6 o'clock at night. Mm. Jacob, it's interesting. What events, teams, drivers have you been impressed with so far this year? Oh, I think uh, on the driver's front, definitely um, uh, Dave Reynolds. I think that he's been, he's been right up the pointy end a lot of the time. I think maybe some strategy uh, faux pas from that team have, have maybe let him down a little bit and some bad luck as well. Um, I've been impressed by Shane Van Gisberg and obviously with those wins and Jason Bright, that, those two are no-brainers. Um, one of the big surprises for me is the bloke that's actually sitting fourth at the moment um, in the V8 Supercar point standings and I wouldn't have if I hadn't have looked at it the other day, I wouldn't have guessed this if you'd asked me the question. It's Rick Kelly. So I think that his consistency, and obviously there's enough speed in that to maintain a bit of consistency. So I think Rick Kelly's doing a really good job as well. All right, Chris, your drivers that you've been impressed with? Yeah, well, not including the ones just mentioned, obviously. There's different reasons to be impressed with a lot of other people and um, it's probably easier to look at the ones that you're not that impressed with but you can't take anything away from the way Garth Tander bounced back last time out I mean that's singularly impressive when they'd bottomed so badly at Darwin previous to that but the whole SBR combination of Slade, Van Giz and Alex Davison you know they've got great speed and uh, and obviously Van Giz has scored those two wins the only two for Ford all year Reynolds is you know absolutely a great choice but Stephen Johnson's been incredibly fast after what can only be described as one of the most tumultuous end of seasons and off seasons known to man so both he and Moffat in recent times are really showing a good turn of speed and Stevie's been second in on the grid a couple of times and had a single second place might not be long before he scores his first win since August 2000 I think it was or 2001 but and Tony Delberto you know career best of a fifth place uh, finish or equally career best, um, at Hidden Valley on the back of a sixth-place finish the day before in qualifying. So there's been lots of good news stories, not including Jamie Winkup being on six wins and Craig Lowndes having his best-ever first half of the season. But um, I guess the flip side of that is there's been some pretty big disappointments as well, and you know, I guess one of those sits right alongside the bloke I started talking about a moment ago, which is James Courtney at Toll HRT. It's been staggeringly bad, and he has managed to have front-end damage at every single event this year at least once. Yeah, I want to keep to the negative in the second part of the show. Let's keep positive. <laughs> and uh, what about the tracks, Chris? The the tracks this year, what have you been positive about? Oh, look, we all have the marquee events, um, you know, Hamilton, Clipsall, Townsville, you know, etc. But um, well, I think that it's a good blend that we've got at the moment and, and we know that the, the marquee events are always going to be the, bigger, the biggest show in town, but I think what's happening at uh, Barber Gallo Raceway is going to be a fantastic result for the category when we go to Western Australia. 
and you know the balance of some of the more permanent circuits we've got here have been you know well well suited to what we're doing I, I don't think there's anyone or anything that's necessarily changed significantly I think the mix we've got at the moment is quite good as long as we don't lose our Winton's, Barbagallo's and Queensland Raceway type rounds, Sandown included because we've already lost Simmons Plains and that's a tragedy mm, Jacob? Uh, yeah, I thought that Barbagallo turned on some really, really, really good racing. Um, that massive incident aside, um, the racing was just sensational there, so that was that was great. I was pleasantly surprised by how the three race format there that I've, I've previously said I don't like, uh, it worked well enough there, so that was a good thing. Um, and Townsville, I think, was just it was just a really good event as well, and some great racing there, um, uh, and some surprises there. I'll, depending on how you look at it, a little bit of a surprise with Gartanda, you know, really bouncing back well there. So, mm. yeah, I think Townsville and Barbie Gallo are probably my two favourite rounds of the, the year so far. All right. Well, it's time for Gas and Go. Gas and Go is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Gas and Go on the V8 Insiders brought to you by V8X Magazine with the juggernaut of Triple Eight on the cover. And also you can find out more about heading to a stateside to the USA. This is Gas and Go. DTM took its circus to a Munich stadium last weekend, Chris Jewell. Is this the next frontier for V8 supercars? Stadium V8s? Well, you've got to wonder, I had a look at some of that footage and there are a lot of people biting concrete as well. So if a DTM car, much more nimble than a V8 supercar, um, is having trouble getting around one of those uh, circuits, then uh, like the uh, International Race of Champions, I'd hate to think what size complex we would need for a V8 supercar. But in the quest to take it to new markets and condense the package into a bite-sized chunk, why not? Jacob. Oh, I, I think not with the whole circus. Obviously, I think what you do is is when there's a big break or something, you'd maybe take two of your your top teams, a Ford or an, and a Holden team, and and go out just with a couple of teams and and do it as a stunt, as a bit of a showcase. I think that there'd be plenty of um, room at the moment with the with the calendar the way it is to to do that with a team Vodafone or a HRT and an FPR and an SBR uh, from time to time. I think that that would have a really great. Uh, marketing benefit to bring more fans to the sport and that would have a flow-on effect to the sport proper, which mm. is actually going out and racing in on racetracks and in proper races. Jacob, the Gold Coast international drivers' seats are filling up, but do you think we're getting the drivers that will bring the fans in or are we getting a lot of, if I can say it, Patrick Longs? Um, oh, we're getting a few Patrick Longs who will, who will do a really good job but won't necessarily bring the fans in. Um, and then as well, we're getting a couple of, uh, I, I don't know, I guess um, people that are probably too far, at, too far out of their prime to really have any relevance and, and help bring those fans back in again. The, the three best guys in that field, I think, in terms of star power, Dario Franchitti, um, Will Power and, and Ryan Briscoe, um, Marino Franchitti to a much, much lesser degree, and, and Mika Salo as well, I guess. But then after that, it's... Um, I mean, they're not really international star drivers, are they? I don't, I don't really know how we've... Uh, I don't know if that test is, is as strong as it needed to be to have the effect that they were hoping to affect with that race. Uh, great drivers, sensational talents, and, and obviously really well-credentialed drivers, but in terms of actually being star-power drivers, I don't think they've got that. Chris? 
I think uh, having Villeneuve in and amongst uh, the field that we had last year of inter- internationals versus not having a name like Villeneuve, Schumacher or Tony Stewart, um, Jeff Gordon, you know, Jimmy Johnson, etc., I think it's actually uh, is not significantly better off. Yes, it's great to have more internationals in the field, but nah, the lure of having one big name or two names, I don't think we've got what we had last year when Villeneuve was part of the mix. Mm. Now, no super team, Chris, for Triple Eight yet. Yeah, yet's the word, isn't it? Um, Everybody expected that that was going to happen. It's a massive undertaking, obviously, to do that, not just physically because the size of their facility is not necessarily big enough for a four-car super team plus their Fujitsu Series uh, entry. But, yeah, I think it's just a matter of uh, getting all of the the ducks in a row and revisiting that over time. Licences need to potentially be not changed hands but be factored into the equation plus the parameters of operation and what, what role does Paul Morris play if he does still own the licence? Is it passive like um, Larry Perkins with the Kelly Racing Squad or is it more involved which could potentially not be what Roland Dane is looking for? So uh, then there's the personnel part of it. You know, you also got to make sure you can furnish the team with the people that they need to have to come one, two, three, four, and clearly Roland's motivation is to come one, two, three, four, and and I don't think that everything he needed to make that happen was there just yet. Yet being the operative word, mm. Jacob. Oh, I, I agree. Obviously, I wasn't ready for it yet, but also I think that um, it, it's looking more and more like three cars is the better model. I think HRT showed that. Um, I think they're doing. Um, they obviously they really lost their way quite, quite badly last year with the four cars. And I think that maybe now that they're back to three cars, they're starting to get a bit of shape about them. Um, SBR do three cars really well. FPR do do three cars quite well. Um, and Kelly Racing sort of have three cars that do that did really well all last year and one car that was always sort of out the back. And you can argue that that was the organic component of that car. But I think that maybe four cars is where you start to stretch a bit too thin and three cars is a much better fit. Now, Jacob, Mick Doohan drove a HRT Commodore at Queensland Raceway. It's a great promotion, but too bad it was five weeks away from the event there. Oh, it was an excellent promotion if he hadn't come out half an hour after he got out of the car and gone, no, 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 I'd never race one of these and take away all our opportunity to speculate and, and ask the question and have fun and, and, and all of those sorts of things. I mean, that's, that's the problem is that... that you put Nick Doohan in the car. Yes, it's five weeks out from the race, so that's that's obviously a bit of a moot point and has a bit of a lack of relevance as well. Second is um, that there was no there was no real purpose for him to be in the car. It was just Nick Doohan's going to have a have a bash around in a V8 supercar. And to be honest, um, that's got a really limited news value. Chris. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, closer to the event um, would have made more sense, but perhaps at the event, I mean, they're going to go to the trouble of doing these things and they've got a deregistered car or whether or not they get dispensation to do it. Why couldn't we have, as part of the event, you know, doing in a uh, time challenge against uh, Corsa and Beatty? Then all of a sudden the event's got a greater amount of impetus and then have that as a precursory, um, you know, promotional tool to get there. Just another point of difference with three very big names that could have been knitted together without significant additional cost. Mm, now you've just stolen one of my questions. I was going to spring on you later here. As uh, Chris, who benefits the most from the mid-season break? Me. <laughs> Busy time of year. Um, look, I think that probably HRT, to be quite honest, they, um, they were overtaxed financially last year and I think the Bundaberg Red team really failed late in the year from a liability point of view because of the amount of effort they put into building two new cars that they debuted at Darwin. Uh, I just talked about the foreshortened break and the lack of time over the Christmas break. 
So I would think that uh, the Toll HRT team, buoyed by changes in personnel, the win that Tanda had at Townsville, if there's a team that needs to go forward and potentially can in that break, HRT. All right, Jacob? Oh, I've got a really long list, and it goes from every other sporting code in the country through to Bunnings, through to anyone who works in VAT Supercars Partners' chore list, and then right at the very end of that list is, is maybe HRT for the reasons that Chris George said. I mean, there's, there's no-one in VAT Supercars, apart from perhaps someone like HRT that, that needs some time to regroup, that benefits from a five-week break in a, in a business or in a sporting sense. Um, certainly for personal reasons maybe they do for the break but I think from a business and a sporting uh, perspective the five week break is nothing but damaging well that's Gas and Go for another week brought to you by V8X Magazine Gas and Go is brought to you by the V8X Magazine log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes After the break, Chris Jewell and Jacob Black continue our roundtable chat. I hope you stay with us. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders as Chris Jewell and Jacob Black and myself, Craig Ravel, continue to have our chat about V8 Supercars at the halfway point of the year. Maybe not literally the halfway point, but it certainly does feel like the halfway mark now. We're in the mid-season break, and we asked what you thought was positive. Chris, you were champing at the bit to say what was negative with <laughs> tracks, teams, and drivers. Oh, well, I'm not necessarily champing at the bit, but I think that there are some people who are you know, fundamentally failing at the moment, and unfortunately, you know, if you look at the quantifiable results from some teams... FPR have not ever managed to sustain the, uh, I guess, the forecast of the season ahead. They've not won any of the big races. They've won a number of races, and they've won the Sandown 500 with Brighton Winterbottom back in 2006. But they're a disappointment. It doesn't matter how many cars they've got in the top ten. Even when they're on pole, they're not turning pole into race wins. So I think FPR are a disappointment. I think uh, James Courtney, we've covered off already, has been disappointing despite showing glimpses of speed. And... You know, he was genuinely a chance to be a podium contender last time out at Townsville and showed great patience early in the race, but the patience he needed to show was on that restart and he showed none whatsoever. So I think they're probably the two most disappointing on-track elements that I've observed. And look, as far as circuits and everything else is concerned, uh, there's nothing I can really say that I think is particularly disappointing other than the fact that I mentioned earlier on, I think it's a just a tragedy that we're going to lose the Apple Isle Simmons Plain circuit. A great place for viewing, a great place for racing, but short-sightedness on behalf of their uh, the government down there are pretty much going to re- remove that from the equation. Last year, I was uh, down at Simmons Plains. I went up onto the hill where I could see just about all the track from the hill. I had uh, no real uh, TV monitors that I could look at easily. I think there was one behind me, but I was fixated on the battles on the racetrack. I walked back in the media centre, said, with a, a couple of laps to go, and said, what a fantastic race. 
and everyone said, you are an idiot. This was the most boring thing I've ever seen. Yes, Craig Lowndes dominated the race on Saturday, but there was five car battles further back in the pack, which unfortunately the Media Centre TV coverage didn't pick up. Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? I mean, the, the, the battle that everybody wants is the battle for first place, and you know, there are many great battles up and down the order that are just as intense, and the drivers are trying equally as hard. But unless it's a battle for first, everybody sees a race as being not what they'd hoped it would be, and that's in all forms of motorsport. But, yeah, I mean, I have no issue. Simmons Plains is a great place for racing, passing and spectating, and it's now gone. Mm. Jacob, your worst of the season so far. Uh, yeah, obviously FPR as well. The other thing, that, the other team that's disappointed me, I guess, is, is GRM. Um, those two drivers have both gone maiden wins under the belt now. They they show flashes of speed every now and then, but then, you know, you expect them to sort of move up the ladder a little bit each year. And obviously they've got resource issues, so that process is slow. But they seem to me to this year have gone backwards more than they've gone forwards. Uh, you know, compared to this time last year, and I think that that's a real shame for that outfit. I'd like. I was really hoping to see bigger things and, and better things out of that squad uh, than what we're seeing. GRM's my, my loser for the first half of the season, I guess you could call it. I'm interested because we've got through this far in the uh, roundtable and no one said the sale of VH supercars has been a highlight of the year. Is it just irrelevant, Jacob? Uh, yeah, I, I guess it is. Um, it's... It, obviously, it won't be in the future. It's going to have a lot to. It, it's going to have an impact on the sport going forward. A massive change in organisation can only possibly do that. But um, yeah, I, I guess it is for the, in terms of the short term look across the season. It hasn't had an effect that's been relevant. Chris, yeah, I don't see it as a highlight because I think that um, despite the mood of the room being so positive and the international expansion, you know, now including the race at, uh, in Austin, Texas at the Circuit of the Americas, there's still some concern about where car of the future fits in, what cost car of the future will be, how much the current uh, cars will be worth when they sell them to market, and I think there's still a few nervous teams as to whether or not, you know, the rosiness of the reputed, you know, $3.67 million that each licence holder got per racing entitlement contract is real, so uh, I guess it's... It's not in the great abyss, but it's yet to truly show its colours in such a way that I could call it a highlight or a low light. But it's certainly not bad news because it shores up the uh, you know the three to five year vision of the category. And uh, I guess only when that vision is is measured against that timescale can we truly reflect on whether it was a masterstroke or a disaster. Mm. Now I want to do a bit of uh, well crystal ball gazing, and uh, Chris, you had. Part of my idea I was going to throw at you both here, and that was, I don't know if you can remember the Amps Car Series at uh, Amaru Park years and years ago. Jacob's way too young to remember it. Most definitely can. Yes. And it was, well, my recollection of it was Mike Raymond, who wasn't afraid to try things for television, came up with a Speedway invention which was called a pole shuffle. And he had two cars out on the track, ninth versus tenth, I think it was. The winner of that would race the eighth place car and going on up the field. So if you could keep beating cars, you kept moving forward. Is this something that might be able to work on a Sunday where you have a a really different sort of day and it really lacks that little bit of uh, oomph outside of the race? I've never heard that idea in my life, and that is the hottest motorsport idea I've heard in 2011. 
that is a sensational idea and every single category in the world should take it on immediately. That's why we pay to be here, Jacob. What about you, Chris? <laughs> um, yeah, I do remember it. And uh, I genuinely think, uh, in line with some of the format changes we've already seen this year, including the three-race format and the double pole position uh, uh, session we had at Barbagallo, which made my life completely miserable, might I add, uh, I think we need to start looking at how Sunday has a bit more razzmatazz. And if it's uh, you know, the program you've just outlined or something different to that if it's the three you know big names in motorcycling going up against the clock to create a point of difference i'm just about sick of with the greatest respect to uh matt mingay and his Satashi stunt team all of the things that i've been seeing for so long mm. it does get a bit predictable after a while i guess the argument is some people only see it once a year when it visits their state once every year <laughs> six seven eight nine years <laughs> yes guys it's always a pleasure to get you on the show i guess uh looking forward to Queensland Raceway where the paper clip is much maligned by drivers but normally if you sit up on the hill you see a lot of bang and crash and some really good racing Chris yeah you do yeah there's something about that place I mean you got a clean opportunity you know with a uh, with a, a greenfield design that could have been created at that uh, at that site and we end up with something that looks pretty boring from a bird's eye view but like you said you can see all of it from one spot in fact from some spots you can see cars going by in four different directions either from turn six to one uh, from turn two to three three to four and four to five so from a commentator's point of view you see the cars whizzing by at all sorts of different angles but it tends to throw up reasonably good racing and let's hope the climate's better than where we've been uh, in some of the uh, days gone by, uh, specifically Winton, which was semi-Arctic, and we can look forward to um, to some good racing up there. The last of the hit-outs before we go into the very exciting part of the season, including the long-distance races. Mm, and, Jacob, it's always great to have you on the show. I always worry that uh, someone who's taken offence to a Speed TV Mark Webber comment on the uh, website there might not enable you to be on the show one day. <laughs> Probably not far off. That's uh, that's the uh, roundtable for another week here on the V8 Insiders. After the break, we look at this V8 Supercar Showdown and hear what Rick and Todd Kelly have to say about it. I hope you'll stay with us. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lab, we hear from the Kelly boys who tell us about how tough it's been getting their reality V8 supercar TV series off the ground. We have been working on it now for a little bit over 14 months, um, and so we're pretty pleased to see that it has got off the ground and it is happening. And the, the main reason we're going about this from Todd's and my point of view is because it's very hard to break into motorsport these days. Todd, Todd and I had a great opportunity with Holden Young Lions um, all those years ago, which gave us our shot in motorsport. And uh, today there's just no avenue like that. And um, the TV show really provides us a great opportunity to uh, to give the, the young talent of Australia and around the world the opportunity to, uh, to get into V8 supercars. So out of the 10 contestants, um, we've got three females, very talented females, which we're quite excited about, and um, a lot of talent there as well. So... 
even though there will be only one winner, they'll go to Bathurst to race with Grant in the in the showdown car. Um, I, I'm pretty sure a lot of the other guys will be at the forefront of motorsport in a couple of years because there is, um, like I say, some pretty special talent. Todd Kelly has kicked out at criticisms that the young drivers will be out of their depth going to the mountain for the first time. Well, that's a very good question and there's a very good answer. If anyone that's made that comment had a look at the back end of the field at Bathurst, it's, it's a little bit average to say the least. So whoever pops out and wins this show, I guarantee you, they'll clean up a hell of a lot of those those drivers up the back as far as pace and reliability. Um, these, are, these are young male and female drivers that have got a massive amount of talent and don't have a massive amount of money to go and buy a drive at Bathurst. These are genuine up-and-coming race car drivers that have got the ability. So, I mean, at the end of the day, we'll see what happens. But uh, Rick and I are both very surprised with... The, the contestants' capabilities and um, and their potential, so we're quite confident that they'll have a pretty good run up there. And how much practice will these guys get in a V8 supercar before they get their big opportunity? We've got a couple of uh, eliminations in a V8 supercar and then potentially one test day. Um, but even when Rick and I, um, when we hit the mountain, that was, I was 18 and that was like my second race in a V8 supercar. Rick was very similar, so we started the same way. It's actually my first. His first race, so um, you've got to start somewhere and we've just given these, these kids the opportunity. I'm going to take on the mountain. I have passion. Belief. Fear. It takes more than just speed. I've got to be stronger, smarter. Know when to hold back. Endurance. Fitness. Fame. Endorsements. Um, well, to a large extent, being at supercars is all about drivers walking around with gel in their hair and, and in, in race suits. And that's really only 5% of our, our job is actually in race suits driving the car. And it's great for us to, to open our doors to our facility and show everyone a lot of behind-the-scenes work um, at Supercars, and, and the TV show really also allows us to do that. My thanks to the Kellys, of course, also to Jacob Black and Chris Jewell. As the checker flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders, Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.